Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Music Lab Podcast. My name is Dog, and I am here with Kevin and Charlie from the Reese Brothers. How are we doing, guys? Good, good. Thanks for having us. They are in Florida. I am not in Florida, but as you can see in my background, I am wishing that I was in Florida. But as you stated earlier, like we've the whole country has kind of been dealing with nasty weather recently so it's good you're not right. on tour right now <laughs> yes we're uh, taking a few weeks and letting everything thaw out <laughs> so let's talk about that tour first so you are you opened for big something that's when i got to see you back um at xl live on december 16th so yeah not even a month ago um yeah talk about that talk about like the the shows that you had that you've had with them so far and like that night in particular that was a one of our favorite shows in a long time, actually, and and that's our third time playing that venue, and we like that room a lot. And the uh, the system there is great, the stage setup is great. Um, the venue takes care of bands very very nicely. Um, so yeah, we were stoked when we saw that on the schedule. Uh, we were very excited to get this this tour with Big Something. Um, we're you know we're we're looking to you know play more in that in that jam and that rock scene and uh because coming from florida we played a lot in the reggae crowd but we're looking to you know branch out and expand our you know horizons and uh so this was a perfect opportunity to do that and we've been following big something for years and we've we played their festival back in 2019 um in north carolina and uh that's why i was and we got to meet them for a brief time back then and uh we're just really happy that we're back out with them because they're they couldn't be nicer guys they're incredibly genuine and and their their show is just fantastic so we're we're happy to be out with them so far we've only done four shows with them um the december run was like was a short like kind of before holiday like trial run kind of thing it felt like it was it was a nice warm-up and uh now we're getting into gear it kicks off again on the 25th in virginia and uh it goes until may 11th You've obviously done tours of that length before from a mindset. What do you do to get ready for that? Yes, that's a good question. We've, uh, this will, this will actually be the longest we've done. Um, but we've done, you know, we've been on the road a couple months at a time and the, I mean, the number one thing is just, is just keeping your body healthy. Like that's like the biggest thing we've learned is, Touring is the greatest thing in the world. If unless you're not feeling good, then it's just you know, then it's a grind and it's not fun. Um, but you know, so uh, yeah, especially in the in, the, in like the winter times when it's super cold out, uh, it's definitely that's most important to stay healthy and keep your immune system up because yeah, it's a it's a grind and, and you kind of never know when you're gonna get a good night's sleep. It's always kind of random, so you gotta. You know, take what you can get and just try to stay as healthy as possible because it's a, uh, you know, yeah, it's a grind. And yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's it's all things we learned the hard way over the years. And like, especially like, because you want to have a few drinks after a great show, but it's like it's, but you can't do that every single night because it's it's a, uh, you know, because then it turns into too many, and then you got to play the next day, and then like, you know, we, we've we've learned that one the hard way, <laughs> and uh, but uh, yeah, we just tried to. Uh, to eat right and uh just to take care of ourselves out there and when we're off the road too um because it's you got to train like 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 an athlete would in a way 
because uh, it's a uh, and it's it's our duty to the audience as well to to be at our best so we can put on the best show possible. So that, that's something we take seriously, um, and because uh, that's what we you know you learn over the years. Like it's it's easy to be self absorbed as a musician and and be you know, have blinders on just working on your craft, but then you realize people are you know they're spending money to get a babysitter. They're coming out to see. The, a night a great night of music and it's like if you're a part of that you have to be at your absolute best so so they go home feeling like it was money well spent and uh and they had a great time and that's that's the goal so yeah that's the biggest thing um is, and uh just keeping the mental up keeping the physical up and uh because it's where we want to be and uh like i said we just gotta we owe it to the crowd to put on a great show are you guys good sleepers and are you morning people normally or are you like late night owls? Because as a musician, obviously, you know, you have to kind of be a late night owl, right? Yes. Oh, and, and we definitely are. So it, yeah. it's, it worked out well that we're not morning people. Um, this is, this is morning for us right now. Um, yeah. uh, and it's, it's funny because uh, like whenever uh our manager david wants to schedule something i always say let's do it in the morning like 11 11 30 yeah. <laughs> that word and he's been up since six you know working but yeah <laughs> so yeah, at the crack of noon it's crack of noon yeah but uh yeah we uh <clears throat> we recently upgraded from a sprinter van to an rv we're in a uh winnebago mini winnie and we just, so we have actual bunks in there now where, where we just had like chairs and we just had seats in the van. So that's a big upgrade for sleep because we can take driving shifts and someone can get like actual nice sleep while the other one's driving, which has really helped. And it's helped us with tour routing too, because we can go longer distances now and we, with the way we, we switch off. Um, so yeah, sleep is very, very important on the road and it's not always the easiest to come by because if you, because it's obviously it's always it's late nights, but then sometimes you do have to get up for for travel. Um, those are, the early mornings are always like travel, but like I said, we we take shifts to make sure everyone gets adequate rest when we can. It's basically the three of you that that are the touring band, correct? Yeah. So it's uh Kevin and me, and then uh, we recently brought out um, our friend Jeremy. He uh, out of Jacksonville, and he plays guitar, keyboard, saxophone. We've got our tour manager Stephanie, who also handles all the merch. So we're a four-person crew right now, and uh, our manager David comes out from time to time. And and uh, but yeah, still even with even with a full house, it's still only five. And most bands have more than five. I feel like oh, yeah. <laughs> members, so it's still a, a tight uh, a tight group we've got. But uh, I think we've we've worked many years to assemble the right team, and and we're we're ha really happy with who we have coming out with us these days. So, so for, for anyone who has never heard of you or, you know, who's never listened to anything that you've done, you know, how would you describe your music to them? Cause you know, if you remember our conversation, you remember what I told you, what, you know, I kind of thought your sound was. So I, I'd be interested to tell it to, you know, to hear our audience. So uh, let them know what you sound like or what you feel like you sound yeah. like, and you can both do it, you know? <clears throat> I'd say we play under the umbrella of rock and roll, like, and uh, in the spirit of rock and roll, but we, our influences are, are rock, blues, uh, reggae, and jam music. Um, and we've come out of, you know, 
growing up in Florida, uh, a lot of the bands in our area, the St. Pete area that were doing well, who were locals were, were reggae acts. So we, we kind of, to get opportunities, uh, we, you know, we got a lot of offers early on to play in the reggae community. It was always part of our sound. And uh, we take, we take that actually that's the influence Kevin brings. So you're, he's the reggae fan on the blues yep. kind of rock fan. And we, and we put them together and, uh, and make our sound. Yeah, there's definitely, uh, um, you know, you can take influences from any, any genre of music, um, whether it's, you know, the style of um, the certain musicians and what they bring to the music. Um, like for example, you know, fortunate youth, the band fortunate youth, they're a reggae band, but the singer, Dan, he's got like a blues background. So he brings that soulful vocal into a into a reggae um, to a reggae group, and so that's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, so let's talk about the beginning. Like, how did you know? When did you guys? Because obviously you play drums, you play guitar. You know, then like you said, you add your third member. But at, when you started out, it's just the two of you. So you know, talk about like the history of the band, and like you know, you hear a lot about you know brothers getting together. And playing in bands, you know, obviously famous brother, brother brothers throughout. But like, you know, what made it that you know this was the career you guys wanted to do? So yeah, basically, um, we I was born in Chicago, and when I was about three, um, and Kevin was about to be born, uh, our so our parents originally moved down to Florida because my dad was hoping we'd. Uh, be uh, baseball players and he uh his his dad was a sports writer we were a big uh <clears throat> baseball family and he was like you know we could play baseball all year round in florida so he wanted to give us an opportunity to do that that's originally why we came down and we played ball up until up until high school really um but we noticed positions over time uh he was uh, i was uh, i was like center field or second base shortstop kind of up the middle yeah, I was mostly a center fielder too, um, and uh, so yeah, we. I mean, we still play. We uh, we bring a ball and glove when we have an off day. We find a field. That's a good way to stay in shape on the road. Um, but we noticed growing up more and more that uh, that music was slowly creeping in as as a as a bigger love for us um, than baseball. And and my dad also played guitar and piano around the house, and so we and he'd always have us you know listen to the beatles and the doors and elo and introduce us to a lot of great music um at a young age and that became more and more of our uh <clears throat> focus and we kevin and i formed a band with a few kids our age when we were in middle school and over time it was kind of aware that kevin and i were the only ones taking it seriously even even back then we were we kind of were knowing that this is what we want to do and no one else around us was, was really people start stop showing up to rehearsal and then they they're you know so we're like you know what we live in the same house we can practice whenever we want why don't we just form a duo and we were like okay yeah let's do that and then we rehearsed for months getting up enough songs and at this point we're still not writing songs but we're we're playing Hendrix covers. We're playing Doors covers. We're playing <clears throat> Sublime covers too. Yeah. Jack Johnson, all the all the great stuff you play at a at a beach bar, you know. And uh, 
we got our first gig at this place called Krabby Bills on Indian Rocks Beach, a uh, seafood restaurant bar that uh, was owned by a friend of our, our our moms. So it was thinking back, it's crazy that they they took a chance on us because yeah. <laughs> we were probably like sixteen and thirteen when we started playing there, <laughs> and we they started us out on the Sunday afternoon slot like going up against football. So no one really paid attention to us. And then we built our way up and got the Saturday night slot. Um, so throughout high school, we'd play there like every Saturday night. Um, and we developed this local, you know, Fallon that would just come back and see us. And yeah. we learned a lot uh, playing there. We played there for a couple of years and we learned a lot about how to work with an audience, you know, how to develop a set list. And uh, from there, um we had our first kind of our first break uh from our regular group that came back and saw us every week um one of them had a friend who worked for the band chicago so then so one time this our fan brings this friend and and she likes our show and she tells my dad i'm gonna you know talk to their manager about you guys and at this point you know we don't we don't think it's oh, ever sure. going to happen, you know, because <clears throat> playing the that that beach bar scene, everyone comes up to you and says they know somebody, but it, you know, never really works out. But this time it was real, and uh, uh, so my dad's on a phone call with Peter Chivarelli, the manager of Chicago, and he says, "I've heard great things about you. Um, I want send me a tape. Send me." He didn't want anything emailed. He wanted us to mail a package of a, like a DVD of us playing um, a CD and like uh, a quick bio about us. So we we mailed this package expecting never to hear again. And then about a month later, he calls my dad again and says, uh, I want to put the, the boys on a couple shows opening up. For us um the first one's in atlanta or no first one's in orlando the next one's in atlanta so and he's like and we'll go from there if, if it goes well because so they then we found out later that they chicago always used only a duo or a solo artist to open for them because their stage setup is so big and they also don't need any help selling tickets yeah. <laughs> so they just usually and and he liked the fact that we did like classic rock covers as a good you know way for people to walk in and hear us playing the you know music similar style to, to chicago um so it was a good fit and we got two shows and one of the shows ended up being with aria speedwagon as well which was insane yeah. um and we're driving home from the atlanta show and then my dad gets a call and he said all right how would you like to do the the rest of the southeast tour um and this is all in like 2014 15 this is like our first taste of shows outside of Florida. We're with Chicago. It was, it was wild. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it was so amazing to see firsthand how like an operation like that is run and how professional it is. And that something that we took notice of like really early on, like we, it was the Atlanta show. We had a 15 minute set and Chicago's stage manager says, all right, you guys have 15 minutes. If you guys play 16 minutes, you'll never play with us again. <laughs> so he's like, so we, so we, I think, so we ended early that night <laughs> just to be safe. And, but it like, but it instilled with us, you know, how 
how things are run if you really want to be at the top of the game. So like, and we took that with us everywhere, you know, because we've been mostly in opening out the last five years for different people, Gila, for Iration, and now Big Something. And so like when we, you know, that's one thing we we take seriously. When we get a schedule, like we're on that schedule. We're not going to go over because that we know that affects the, the, the band after us. So um, that was really wild to get that level of experience so early on. Um, and then we got to the next year. So for two years, we were the house opener for them when they came through the southeast so we we did so that was just awesome and then um after that we we came back home and we basically figured we, we need to start writing song and just start figuring out you know because we were mostly cover band at that point still we need to figure out who we are and what we want to be for our you know going forward as the reese brothers what we're going to sound like so we took took some time to that kept doing the local bar scene to to keep the money coming in, but we were working on our, our own stuff. And eventually you got to meet our, yeah. Can I ask you real quick? And I, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but there's two things that I'm dying to know. So how much did Krabby bills pay you guys when you started out? And then when you finished playing there? Uh, it didn't change. Yeah. I think it was like 200, it was for, 200 for bucks hours. for four hours. Yeah. Okay. And then my second a, question. Oh God. Yep. At that at that age in high school, that wasn't bad at all. And uh and we got like we got pretty good tips too. So it, it was and one free meal. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing it for the free meal. But. Yeah. <laughs> so then my other question is you mentioned your dad uh played the doors for you and you listened to the doors at a young age. Like, I remember when I listened to The Doors for the first time and knowing your guy's sound, like, uh, like, please share with me, like, your first impression, if you remember, like, what that was like when you listened. Yeah, to I do. <clears throat> I do, because uh, at that point, I'm, I was a huge... The Beatles were the first band that really um, took, took our, you know, breath away, honestly, because up until that point, you know... We just listened to what was on the radio. This is like early 2000s, top 40. It's not good, you know. And then we hear, then we learn that there's this whole history of music we've never even heard of. And that it's so much better than what's happening right now. And and so we just dove fully in. Um, the Beatles were the first. But then when I heard The Doors, it was even more impactful on me. Just because, like, I loved I love the Beatles a lot, but to me, there was more of something to, you know, to listen to, to groove to, to, but when I heard the doors, it was more emotional in a way. Like it was, the music transported you even more to me. And then I was like, wow, music's not just something to, to groove to. It's something that can actually like take you places and make you feel like really feel like that was, so that was important to, to learn early on that, uh, and they, they were the band that had the impact for me. And it literally it's the doors are how we we got our all start because I I played keyboard bass in our set and that's straight from Ray Man's Eric, you know, and I, I just took his concept and applied it to the drum kit because we couldn't find a bassist when we when we split off as a duo, uh we couldn't find a bassist our age who like cared as much as we cared. So I was like, I'll I'll play bass, I'll play keyboard bass. I love the doors, I love Ray. 
I'll just play it until we find somebody. And then, you know, it just stuck because it helped us. It was a unique thing and it helped us get opportunities because we were in Chicago like that. We were only a two piece because we were easy on, easy off. Like, and so me playing the keyboard bass helped us get a lot of opportunities early on as an opener. Um, and that, yeah, that all comes right from the doors. How about you, Kevin? Inspirations? Yeah, no, no, so, for the doors, like your your first impression of the doors when you first listen to them. Yeah, so it's funny because me and Charlie kind of have very different uh, influences. Um, and I remember him in high school, he was definitely listening to, the, 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 like the doors were his favorite band, Nirvana. Um, he's into that um, you know, classic rock, 90s punk rock, um, you know, the six, a lot of 60s music. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Robbie Krieger. Um, and his guitar playing and he's got that iconic s uh, gibson sg guitar which uh you know one of my favorite guitars i've never owned one but i would love to one day but yeah they uh definitely he wouldn't be doing what what he does without um ray on the keyboard so that's that's super cool to, to sometimes i forget that they didn't have a bass player you know and like all the bass is coming from yeah is it a keyboard yeah it was a low little bass keyboard little uh specifically made for that like a bass right and they set it up with his with his organ and uh they had a they brought in a bassist later on in the studio but still live they I feel like no one really talks about it though you know yeah it's uh it's, it's pretty wild so so I, I totally you. oh yeah so you good. were saying that you were gonna you were you were you went back home after that tour with chicago you were starting to do them you know bars around just to kind of build up so continue that story then i i interrupted oh you're good yeah so um <clears throat> at that point we have the ex we had this crazy experience um but we still haven't um established ourselves as a our own act because we're like i said we're still doing covers so we need to figure out now we fully know that this is what we want to do and and we've been validated by the fact that they have taken us out and they wouldn't just put anyone out there. So that really gave us confidence um, and enabled us to come home and say, Hey, like, who do we want to be as artists going forward? And we, we took, uh, took that classic rock influence and we took, you know, Kevin's reggae influence. Um, was sublime was one of the first bands. Yeah. That really sublime and uh, Jack Johnson were you know some of my biggest influences um and honestly even for guitar playing like i love jack johnson's guitar playing it's, it's so simple but like exactly what he plays exactly what it needs and i love that kind of style of playing where you're not like overplaying but you're just filling in little uh stuff here and there like perfectly exactly what the song needs and yeah complimenting it very well and yeah that kind of you know his world of uh classic rock and mine of like reggae kind of mixed and that's how uh yeah our, our, that's how like our sound came to be so it's, it's definitely super unique and then we started getting involved in the local local uh original music scene local reggae scene and then we that's how we met our manager uh david parnes and from there the rest is history he took us and got to uh started <clears throat> letting you know really getting us out there outside of florida and uh our first like full national tour which was uh g love and special sauce um in 2018 and that was our first and then from then on we didn't we didn't quit until 2020 when we had to you know stop touring for a little while 
but besides that, we've been pretty much full time on the road since then, since he came aboard, um, which is what we always wanted to to do. And uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, so how how was like the scene in St. Pete, like in Florida? Because I would imagine, like you said, you know, it's probably dominated by cover bands because you know people were there on vacation. Like, how was the original music scene like down there? Was it inviting for you guys? It so it it was, but it was it was mostly it was mostly limited to to the reggae crowd. What was really the original music that was doing really well was all, was mostly in the reggae circuit, which yeah. makes sense in Florida. Um, and there was you know some local bands doing national tours as opening acts for for national bands, and we were seeing that, and we were like, this is this is really cool that bands are touring all over, and they're from St. Pete. So we you know. And it started getting more involved in, in the and we really got embraced by the that circuit um by the bands and the fans and uh it is a great community the the reggae community for sure and they uh they love discovering new bands and they love sharing bands with each other and and they uh also bands are big supporters of other bands which is cool and they help <clears throat> like uh they'll take you out if they want to help you they they'll take you on a regional tour or whatever if they want to help you get out there some more there's that there's that sense of uh let's let's all lift each other up which was cool um so that in that circuit they definitely did embrace us and that uh led us to a lot of opportunities and um that's that is how we met our manager because he was involved in promoting in in that circuit and um led us to some awesome shows with some big reggae acts and we eventually got to tour with uh Iration. we did we did a new year's eve with stick figure we did some really cool stuff um that helped us to uh branch our you know our our brand out and it was it was curious because we only had like two reggae songs on the first album yeah well, there's 13 songs there's only two reggae songs but but that that community really dug the vibe of what we brought to the table and and uh, we kept getting opportunities so it was it was hard to say no we kept hopping from different support tour and basically um at this point we're, we're you know we felt it was time to to branch out but we're you know incredibly grateful to to that scene for what they helped us become yeah so of all of the bands that you've opened up for, which I mean, you've listed and then like, you, like Dave sent me, you know, your bio and everything, you know, was there one band that sticks out to you that was really like, just by either just conversations that you had, or just like the experience in general that really, you know, is kind of heading above everybody else? That's a great question. Um, I think for me, I have to mention too. Um, yeah, of course. First absolutely. One have, have to be stick figure um only because like the that band has meant so much to me like getting into the reggae scene and like that's how we met our manager david i posted a family and uh, i posted a song in one of uh you know it's, it's called stick figure family their facebook page that their fan group on facebook and david saw it and before we even met each other and he's like hey send me some more music let's talk so like just through that band that's how we that's how we met david and, and uh then we got to open for Sick Figure on New Year's Eve, twenty eighteen, and that that is kind of like the culmination of everything that we've worked for. Um, and we got to do two shows. We got to do a Janice Live in St. Pete, the the twenty ninth, 
and then we did uh, the 31st New Year's Eve in, in Orlando, and that was like so so amazing. I, that's all I can say about that. Um, and then uh, the second one, I have to say 311. We got to do uh, two of their cruises. Um, that was just like some of the best times we've ever had. Um, also got to open for them at House of Blues Orlando um, a couple of days before the cruise started. Um, that was just like, you know, they're, they're, they're so good live. One of my favorite live bands. Um, and yeah, just a big inspiration for us for sure. Cause they blend that reggae and like hard rock too. So that's a, something we're inspired by. And, uh, I'd say, yeah, I mean, those absolutely. And I also add, uh, add G love in there. Cause we got to do three tours with, with G love. Um, the first was with G love and special sauce. We were opening, and then the next two was uh, G Love Acoustic. So we'd play our set and then he'd play acoustic. And then we'd, we'd become his backing band for the encore. So we did like a 30-minute set each night. It was just three of us on stage playing all his hits. And that was just really awesome. Because, um, you know, we, we grew up listening to that stuff, yeah. Jack Johnson and G Love. And so it's it was pretty wild to get to, to share a stage with him and just get to talk to him every night. And he was always offering advice and and uh and we saw how hard he worked like every single night and like we'd see him play past curfew all the time play past like he because he just didn't want to get off the stage and that was just really inspiring um and then the first the first tour of chicago we got to you know we didn't expect to ever get to meet them even because you know they're chicago we're just the opener but like they they would come out they would watch our set they would give advice as well and they were just uh we saw them do the same put in the same effort every single night no matter if it was you know five thousand people or like 900 people in you know in kentucky we played this one uh smaller show in kentucky and they did the same exact set that we saw them do at the ryman auditorium like the night before it was it was amazing um seeing the just the the pride they had for what they were doing um and just the fact that they took the time to talk to us at all this was was, was just it meant a lot so uh, that's a, that's a good segue I, I would love to know of all of, again of all of the venues that you've played and all the bars and and you know is there a venue that sticks out that you just like from a sound perspective from a crowd perspective like what do you got kevin go ahead yeah, that's hard because we played so many venues. Ah, uh, I bring it, baby. I bring it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Well, we got to do the Ryman in Nashville on that Chicago tour. That was obviously the history there. Incredible. Um, as far as like just scenery, I love the Greenfield Lake Amphitheater. Um, that's in uh, Wilmington, Wilmington, North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, it's a super super cool outdoor. It's like a it's a, it's not like a full size amphitheater, but it's like kind of an intimate amphitheater, and it's surrounded by trees, and it's just a, it's a beautiful spot. Um, we played there with G Love, and I think that was one of my favorite as far as outdoor venues. Um, yeah, there's there's so many. I mean, there's St Andrews Hall in Detroit. I remember was awesome, yeah. very historic. Uh, Stubbs in Austin, Texas. Yeah. The Troubadour in LA, and we're coming back there with Big Something, so we're excited about that. Um, our hometown, Janice Live, is is a pretty special place. Um, 
And uh, anytime we get to play in New York City, um, we got to the Bowery Ballroom. That was awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, there's just there's so many. I'll I'll think of them. You know, throughout the day, I'll think of all the ones I left out. But because, uh, but so I get it's a I smaller leave for... list. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Oh, is it? It's a smaller list of the ones that we didn't like at all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I leave for a cruise on Saturday, so I cannot imagine having three eleven. Right. Like oh yeah like you guys playing like you know i've heard of these rock cruises they've been doing them for a while now our, our my friends andy frasco they've done them before yeah. oh yeah cruise, i think um right but that's that just has to like talk about that experience of playing on a cruise ship yeah it was, it was crazy the, the first time we um we played the 311 cruise like we were playing the the pre-party in tampa and we weren't even booked on the cruise yet this was back in 2019 mm -hmm. right so we're just like all right we're just gonna play the the pre-party for the for the cruisers um in tampa and you know peter 311's um old manager came up to us and was like hey you guys are amazing uh how'd you like to come on the cruise tomorrow and we're like uh i think i don't think we're doing anything tomorrow so we had to kind of rush home, get everything together, uh, figure out logistics because we still had a a show booked in New York, like we during did. the cruise. So we had to figure out, okay, we can do like the first two or three days on the cruise ship, and then leave out of Mexico while the ship is docked in Mexico. Take a three hour taxi ride through Mexico to the Cancun airport. Was it? I think it was Cancun. Flat in New York to do this show in the snow because at that point it was it was March, but it was like leave a beautiful, you know, Mexico beach, and then head to New York where it's cold and rainy. But that was that was an experience on its own. <laughs> yeah, because the the show was at Brooklyn Bowl. It was it was with uh, JoJo Herman from Widespread, and yeah. we had an agent coming to see us that night. That's why we couldn't um, back out of the New York show um so we but we're like there's no way we can say no to the 311 crew so we're gonna we have to figure out how to make both work like we have to so yeah luckily we figured it all out like you said we took that cab ride through through mexico and that was a just a wild experience um and flew to new york and played the show and unfortunately the agent passed on us that night but we eventually found you know the uh, right one and uh basically yeah, but the 311 cruise is, is amazing. Uh, it's they do three sets. Uh it's like a six day cruise. They they play three of the days and then they bring like 15 other bands that all play three sets throughout the week. And there's four different stages throughout the boat. And so 311 plays obviously the main stage every night, but the other bands play like each different stage. So you can see them in a you can see them in the theater, you can see them on the main, but you can also go see them in the intimate like almost like a lounge area too. So you really get to go up close and the whole week, all the bands are just walking around. We're all hanging out, you know? And so you run into people at the pool, at the bar, at everywhere and in line at the buffet. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, just get to, you know, talk to some of your, your favorite bands just in line. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. And uh, <laughs> so then we got to do it uh, th this year. Yeah. Yeah. No, 2023, we did it. Um, we did it and we were, this time, but this time we were invited before it left. So like this time we were officially on the lineup. Um, so that was awesome. And no, yeah, no one has to drive. So everyone's just like drinking for three days straight. Just six like, days straight. Six, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's like, 
uh, like all food is included, but you have to get a package for the alcohol separately. So people put it to use. They're like, I paid for this. I'm getting every penny I can out of this. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, Three Eleven was the, the only, obviously the only band that's not out when they're not playing. They're not out mingling because like everyone would have come up asking them for pictures. And they do a, a big meet and greet where everyone's guaranteed to get a picture with the band. So like the line is like it, like four plus hours long of just people getting pictures and stuff. But all the other bands would hang out, and so that, that's one of the coolest parts. If is it like if you're fans of all the other bands. Like he'll be able to hang out with them mm-hmm. and talk and like because they're always hanging by the pool or um, like you said at the buffet and there's always but, collaborations and uh like g love came up during our set and uh kevin went up during his kevin up during ayatara's set like bands jump all over with each yeah, other because when we try to do collaborations at festivals it's like uh we don't get until like if, if we're playing saturday we want to um have a feature like they're usually like, oh, we don't come in till Sunday. Sorry, we, like, we're going to miss our set. But on the boat, there's no excuses because you're you're all in the same area. So it's definitely yeah. easier to to collaborate and jump on other people's sets, which is a, definitely pretty cool. You know, that's I'm glad you said that because that is one wish that I have that more bands would do. And especially during festivals, because you're right. It is like yeah. pickings for like that to happen. But I, too often you don't see bands collaborate. Like, do you think that that's just yeah. an ego thing? Or do you think that's just a, like, what do you think that is? Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely ego, but um, and it could be logistics. Like if you're flying into a festival in your band and you're like just exhausted, um, sometimes you don't feel like jumping up, but like for me and for us, like I'll, I don't care. Like I love to to jam with other people, so I'll I'll make sure that happens if 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 they ask us to to jump up because that's like that's the magic happens, you know. Like I love when you when you don't actually like schedule something; it's just all loose, and the music that comes out of that is like super cool because it's like it's just back to the basics of just jamming and yeah, and, and having fun, and you're not thinking about exactly. a structure of a of a song or something, you know. That's that's the coolest part. I think you're, and I think you're onto some with the ego thing. And it's like there's two ways bands look at it. They don't want, so, I mean, they don't want someone coming over shining them, and <laughs> but also they don't want to put someone up who they think's below them. It's like there's that's that comes into play. But like, um, it only it only lifts up everybody, and because that's another thing that bands forget. It's about the crowd. Like the crowd wants to see it. You know, like don't worry about making your you know it's all in your head if this looks bad have certain people out or if they're going to overshine me like that's all in your head people you want people to leave saying man it was a great show do you see who sat in like that was so cool like they're not going to say oh he's he overshadowed him he you know he did this they're not going to see it that way they're going to just say that what an awesome experience to see two artists i like together like so we try to do it anytime we can like we're always inviting people if we're in if we're in a certain city that we know a band is from, we'll see if they're in town. We'll see if they're they'll come out and sit in. And then at festivals, we always try. And uh, and as this tour goes on with Big Something, we're we're hoping to get them on stage with us at some point. Yeah, just promise me whatever you got, however successful you guys get in your music career, don't ever lose that like. Cause it is, I, I think you're right. The crowd just absolutely eats that up. Like perfect example. Like when yeah. Trey came out for Goose's set at Radio City Music Hall, like right. it went nuts, you know, like, cause yeah, it's exactly. Trey, you know, like, 
Especially when so, it's not announced and it's just a surprise. Right. It's so yeah, yeah, yes. It breaks the internet, man. Like it's it's not a bad yeah. thing. <laughs> exactly, you know. And and they could have been thinking, you know. Well, I mean, it's hard to not have Trey out, but like you know, would have if they would have thought, oh, you know, he's gonna overstage us. He's gonna. Nick, then people are only gonna be talking about him and not us after the show. I mean, without Trey, there's probably maybe no goose. Yeah, so like, you know, like, so that I mean, so that was really smart, obviously, and and uh, yeah, like you said, I wish more bands would do that. It, that is, that is a big thing in the reggae world that that we took away from that is that the collaboration seems to be very high in that world, um, and it's, I mean, because it's. If you think about it, it's 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 maybe easier because it's mostly vocalists coming out with bands, and you know all you need is a mic, and you can pass the mic, and you'll have like five different. You can have five different vocalists come on the same song and just you know throwing down verses. That's always a big hit with the crowd. Um, but yeah, I wish it would happen more over over all circuits. Yeah. Well, we can only hope, right? That's yeah. Right. We'll so, do our so part. Let's do- exactly exactly so let's dive actually into the music right because we've we've talked about everything else but we really haven't talked about the music so so you guys your first release was then in 2019 or was it in 2018 uh november 2017 the first first album yeah first album was 2017 and who produced that and and talk about like that experience of writing your first album like the expectations you had on yourselves like the outside expectations. So at that point, yeah. Uh, so we got to work with um, Ted Bound, who's the singer from Pacifier. Um, he was living in St. Pete at the time, so and he had a home studio. So um, it was a it was a perfect fit, and we liked the fact that he was in a touring band and he wasn't just a producer because he he would understand more. Because um, at that point, we had just started, you know, touring outside of Florida. And really, we were really eager to hit the road some more. So we liked the fact that he had touring experience. Um, and most of the songs for that album were already already written over the years as we so, uh, accumulated originals. Um, even going back to our Beach Bar days, when we just started writing songs. Uh, we'd been saving up to eventually, you know, but we didn't want to just put out an album and then keep playing bars. We wanted to to wait until it really made sense until... Until people would, you know, would want to listen and, and take notice. Yeah. Um, so the timing felt right when we started. That was right before that tour with G Love that we put it out. So that timing felt really good to put out a full album. Um, and it's 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 we we felt it was important to put out, you know, an album to start to give people a wide range of what what we could do. Um, but it's it's interesting now because the the album format is, you know slowly becoming like like not the best way to go for certain you know maybe for 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 bands like us who who are still coming up um it does us more good to put out you know more frequent releases but have them be singles or eps um to keep the uh just to keep people because you know attention spans are are low it's if you're an upcoming band it's hard to do an album every three years and make people wait in between you know um but like so right now we're working on um a lot of different songs but we're we're kind of, it's kind of a debate we're having like do we put them out as singles do we do EPs i think we won't put out another full length album for a couple of years cuz i think um we want to keep building up the the base and then 
and it'll the time it will feel right again, like like when we had the first one. Um, so in the meantime, it's going to be EPs, it's going to be singles. So we're going to be putting out a lot of music, but it'll be it'll be more frequent, which I do I do like that. Um, but yeah, and it's it's been a evolving process of where the music has gone too, and because as we keep touring and playing, like the the live set gets more you know heavy gets more jammy as we go and then we wanted the music to reflect that so the ep we put out last summer we felt like we perfectly captured where the live show is now we just put it onto in a studio version um because we didn't want it to be two different things the live show and then the studio that was one of our um complaints people had early on was that the i mean i guess it's not a it's not a terrible thing, but people were like, your live show is so much better than your recorded music. Usually it's the opposite, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's a compliment too, but it's also a curse because we want both to be, you know, great. Um, so we took that to heart and we were like, well, how do let's do our best to capture what we do on stage, but in a studio format. And I think we were really proud of the one we put out last summer was kind of the closest we could possibly get, I think, to that. Um, and we got we had G Love do a song with us too on that EP, and that kind of set us on this this path of being, you know, not being afraid to get a little jammy on the record, not be afraid to get a little, you know, grungy bluesy, like because that's what we do live. So we took the best parts of our live show that people seem to dig and and put it on tape, and now we're just we're uh, working on new songs as we speak basically yeah. and uh to to continue that keep it rolling yeah i i definitely agree with you like the the ep that you put out i do feel like really does capture what you guys do live you know and i've i've only seen you once live so you know yeah, i can't yeah. speak you know greatly on that but from what i saw but you know i i think too you know going forward is that kind of the same direction you're going to stick with then at least for this batch of songs that you're yeah, and then just we're going to throw in a little more elements of that we're picking up in the jam scene, a little more elements of funk, I think, to uh to keep people moving, you know, that's that's a, that's some and uh we put out the single last March or this March kind of uh your Friday night and that's kind of our our kind of not a transition but our uh segue into kind of more in a way more danceable music we want to find the fine line because we we want people to groove at the shows and without becoming a dance band you know yeah. and it's uh and i mean bands do it goose does it big something does it they get people moving and they're not dance bands they're you know they are who they are so uh that's something we're putting effort into on this next next batch yeah, even like a band like the Killers or Coldplay, you know, like they're not yeah, dance yeah. bands, but you, you know, you can listen to their music and you know you're get your feet stepped. Absolutely, <laughs> exactly, yeah. and that's the goal. Yeah, and we love the Black Keys, and we've seen their transition over the years um, from just like very heavy garage blues rock to now more, you know, accessible kind of groove music that they've you know come to this place over time. And that's, it's important to evolve. 
I'm glad you brought up the Black Keys because earlier in the interview, you you said about, you know, starting out in early 2000s and what you were listening to on the radio was, you know, in sync and, you know, like pop. Right. So was it bands like the White Stripes? Was it bands like the Black Keys that were duos that kind of gave you inspiration? Like, hey, we can do this. Absolutely. Because in we had that mentality growing up that that modern music's terrible and it's only like it's only 60s and 70s and 80s that's what you got you know that's when real music was and 1990s like nirvana and then we were like but then when the black keys came out like first time i heard of them was like 2011 it was the el camino album i think it was lonely boy and I was like, wow, this music's being made right now. I'm like, this is awesome. And it kind of totally gave us inspiration. Like, there's an audience out there for rock and roll now. Like, like we can, let's, you know, that kind of was. And then, I mean, I think one year, yeah, uh, Jack White's solo album, the first solo album had just come out too. And and we did, we did love the White Stripes and... So that mixed with the Black Keys coming out. And then we, you know, went dove into the Black Keys catalogs. We had not even heard of them until then. And that just, yeah, totally. And especially them being duos. Yeah. It was really awesome to see. Um and super inspiring. Yeah, they I mean, and it's it is like the early two thousands, really, when you when you look back, like so many great bands like Arcade Fire were just starting out. Wilco, you know, like so yeah. many good bands that, you know, are still like relevant today. So the Strokes. Yeah, even, exactly. Know, like... Right. So 100%. talk about Gary. So you got to work with Gary Clark Jr. Gary Clark Jr. is severely underrated as a musician in like this country. I don't know why. Like you listen to his music and like and oh, I definitely 100%. got some influences when with his producer right you're the drummer is that who produced yeah so yeah so Talk we still have that experience yeah we haven't worked with gary himself that's a huge goal but we worked with his longtime uh touring drummer uh johnny radelat he was from there from the beginning um and he recently they recently just just changed band members so he just um just had just stepped down but he was there you know for the entire come up and all the years in the road and then we worked with uh, uh gary's engineer um as well who is the touring engineer as well and that that we made that whole ep with them in uh, out in texas san antonio and we because he had mentioned that uh because when we played we played in austin with uh g love and and johnny came out and um and we kept in touch and uh he had mentioned they're building a studio down in san antonio and I was thinking with their experience, like that's the sound we're we're after, you know, and like I'm thinking that's where we should do it and and we should do it in Texas. Like that's you know, Gary's, you know, home state and and uh it just felt really right to so we we made like four or five trips there to the studio uh, whenever we weren't on the road mm -hmm. and we worked yeah, over a period of a few months to get that that EP ready, uh, but that yeah, it was just awesome getting to, to getting to talk to them and hear stories because because Johnny was you know like I said the drummer all his years so he played 
Saturday Night Live with him. He played, you know, Coachella, Bonnaroo, Lollapalooza. He played Howard Stern. He played all these, you know, crazy, um, crazy things. And uh, just getting to hear the, the stories. And cause I just love learning about the, the behind the scenes of all that stuff. Um, so, and, and like they knew the sound and uh, that we were after and they, they helped us achieve it. So that was a fantastic um, time. So shout out to them out in Texas. I feel like the hustle is probably the most Gary Clark sounding on that EP. Is that fair to yeah. say? Yeah, for sure. And and he knew their engineer knew exactly how to how to get that, that sound rolling. We were we were like, we knew we made the right call when we were working on that one. We were like, I don't think we could have done that that anywhere else because he knew exactly what that needed, that tone. Yeah. Yeah. That song kicks ass. <laughs> hey thanks that's awesome appreciate that absolutely so guys this has been fantastic i really really appreciate you guys doing this interview um absolutely best of luck best of luck for this big something tour um anything so else much. then to let us know about like after the big something tour anything plans like what do, what do we got going on then other than releasing singles? yes yeah, the tour runs January through May. It's hitting pretty much every major city. So we got all the dates on ReeseBrothers.com. We'd love to see you out at the show. Um, and uh, yeah, so right now we're working on the summer plans and working on plans to release the music. We don't have anything specific date-wise yet, but uh, working. And and you can follow us on the uh, the socials. You know yep. all those. Yep, all the socials. Reese Brothers, R-I-E-S. Um, all our our uh, tour dates are on our website, reesbrothers.com. Um, yeah, you can you can um, join our Facebook fan group. It's Reese Brothers Fan Club on Facebook, where we post uh, you know stuff before we do on other social media. So you can be a part of that of that community. And yeah, we'll catch us in the city near you. Yeah, we'd love to see you. Hashtag respect, right? That's right. You got who it. Came, who came up with that? I love that. It's it's genius. I think I did. Yeah, because yeah. uh, for a long time we've been talking about our goal is to throw our own festival someday. You know, so I was, we were thinking, and I was like, what if it was called like Respect Fest? And then we like we we put our own twist on it. And also it helped because um, when we first started out, people couldn't pronounce our name. You know, they'd say Rise or Rias, and the respect like really helps people you know initially <laughs> except for one, one although guy. we did have one guy at a merch table one night he's like oh cool rise spec i like that <laughs> like what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> um but besides that one guy everybody everybody likes it <laughs> so so that uh, so i gotta ask you one more question then so yeah, yeah. tell me about an experience either funny or like what pissed you off either with a venue or like a venue owner or like some like some sort of management story because i'm sure you have one with all the touring you guys have done oh yeah we we had one of our literally the, the day before harrisburg we had a story <laughs> um in uh in baltimore uh it was actually our first time playing in baltimore for some reason all the tours we've gone on have a uh, bypass so this is our first time playing in the city and those are some tight streets getting the, the RV in. So, um, and they're all like one way. So there was a certain point. I'm taking this like tiny one way turn to another one way. 
and there's all these parked cars on both sides of the street. And there was a certain point I'm like, wow, we are actually going to get stuck here. Like we're going to be in the paper. Cause like there's going to be laughing at this Florida RV stuck in Baltimore. Um, and <laughs> we like couldn't back up. The cars were piling up behind us and, uh, people were getting out and, and just yelling at us. And this, this, uh, guy's like, I gotta get through. I gotta get to my daughter's recital. I'm like, I'm like, I mean, I mean, it's a city, right? So you're going to have things happen. You're going to have, you know, delivery trucks coming in now. You got to adapt. And there's, there was other ways for them to get around, but they were not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were, we were stuck for a little bit until, uh, just by chance someone came out who, who owned one of the cars that was kind of in our way on the street, parked in the street. And he asked if, if we needed him to move, we're like, yes, please. <laughs> and then, yeah, he got up. But there was a, yeah, there was a moment there. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're going to make the newspaper here in Baltimore. And it's the yeah. first night of tour. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that was like, but I'm like, Hey, let's get it all out of the way. Night one. So then, then we were even uh, more motivated the next night. Cause we were like, you know, night one, tough travel day everything felt a little off and now we're like let's just have a great show tonight get everything on track and and harrisburg was was a great show for that and everything felt like it ran totally smooth sound was awesome the like i said we love that venue crowd was awesome and that really set everything up on a good note for the whole rest of the tour so shout out to harrisburg (laughs) oh yeah so um yeah so have you guys played south by before south by southwest we actually haven't um yeah. that's been a goal though okay all right yeah because we we um this will be the fifth year that we've that i've gone um and so we nice. do a road to south by series too where we feature bands that are playing you know kind of give them nice. you know some some coverage and some uh and what i've listened to so far man there is some great talent out there so it's it's great to see but yeah, yeah it would be awesome to see you guys at south by one day i mean you might be too big for it, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, we'd love to, no matter what. Yeah. Austin's a great city. It's one of my favorite cities in the country. Definitely. Yes. Same, same. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll be there in uh, late April, I think. Yep. With Big Where are you playing? What, what venue do you remember? I think it's called Parish. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. yep. Yeah, that's it. It's Parish. That's a cool spot. Definitely. Yeah. You'll enjoy your time there then. Hopefully you get like a day off in between that you can spend some time there and it's not just in and out. I know that's the thing. Yeah. We always, we always cherish those days off in cool cities. You know, it's just exactly it's nothing like it. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, again, thank you guys so much for doing this. Best of luck on Absolutely. the tour with big something. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, Much love. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully down the road, we'll do this again and hopefully I can see you guys live again. That would be awesome. We appreciate you having us. Absolutely. Guys, as always, I've been Dog. They've been the Reese Brothers. (laughs) This is the Music Lab Podcast.